Well, good morning. It is good to be here with you this morning on this World Communion Sunday, as Dr. Don said a moment ago. It is a Sunday when we celebrate with Christians all around the globe, no matter what their denominations are, no matter what our little theological differences might be, we celebrate together the sacrament of communion. Some churches tend to call that sacrament Holy Communion. Others call it the Lord's Supper. And some call it the Eucharist. And Eucharist is one of those churchy words. It comes to us from the Greek word Eucharisteo, which means to give thanks. And right in the middle of that word Eucharist is a root word, charis, which means that we are receiving grace. Charis is the word for grace. And there's another word that's derived from the word charis called chara. It ends with an A instead of an I-S. And that word means joy. So it's important for us to remember today that we join in a worldwide celebration of thanksgiving that encompasses the joy we feel at receiving God's grace. It's also a Sunday where we begin a two-part message series called Gratitude and Generosity. Today we're going to focus on gratitude. Yes, it's a stewardship series. It's a mini-series. They used to be longer. So uh, we hope that you will learn today and next week a little bit about the theological reasons why the church and church members give as part of our spiritual acts of worship. And so it's appropriate that we talk about these things. To do that, uh, we are going to turn to a letter that was written to the Colossians. It is a letter that spoke to the people of the church about the virtues that should clothe them and should clothe their worshiping community if they were to indeed be followers of Christ and follow in his footsteps. And that list of virtues includes compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. But one particular section of scripture within this letter speaks to the virtue of gratitude. And that's what I would like to share with you now from Colossians chapter 3. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Three short verses three reminders. Be thankful. Sing to God with gratitude. Give thanks. This virtue is important because the virtue of gratitude can transform us. We sometimes think we should only feel gratitude when life is going smoothly, when our families are healthy and safe, when our relationships are filled with joy and are stress-free, when our bills are all paid, and when every little thing in life happens the way we want it to. 
I don't know about you, but that's not how life is. Life comes with tough circumstances. Hard times don't leave us wanting to say thank you to God or anyone else. But gratitude runs deeper than our everyday circumstances. Gratitude is a long-haul virtue and attitude. It's a lens through which we can choose to see our lives in every circumstances. While gratitude doesn't eliminate hardship, it reminds us there are some things that cannot be taken away from us, no matter the pain, the suffering, the trial, or the tribulation. And so we can choose to wallow in the hardship or to allow gratitude to remind us of God's presence and blessing and grace. To illustrate this for you, I'd like to share three different prayers. It's actually six different prayers. Kind of an angry or grief-stricken or blaming prayer that was followed by a prayer that demonstrated more gratitude. I'm going to share these because I'm real familiar with them. These are prayers I have prayed in my life, and some of you shared some of these experiences with me. But let's try these on for size, and maybe you'll get what I'm talking about this morning. First, hey God, thanks for that cancer diagnosis. That was a scared prayer. But it quickly became, God, I know you will be with me through surgery and radiation, and I thank you for the family and friends who are rallying around me with love and prayers. Please make me strong enough. Then there was the grief-stricken prayer, the angry prayer. Hey, God, thanks a lot for this loneliness now that my husband is gone. It took a little longer this time, but that prayer slowly became, God, thank you for the life I shared with my beloved and for the kids and grandkids who remind me of him. Sometimes I really grieve, God, so please help me to remember all the blessings I enjoy and the memories that will help me through. And then there was a third prayer. I prayed it long before I came to St. Paul, back in the early 2000s when my father was sick. This was a blaming prayer, too. Said, hey, God, why did you let my dad get dementia? He doesn't even know me now. That prayer became, God, my dad is really sick. Sometimes it hurts my heart when he doesn't recognize me. Help me to remember all he did for us and all he provided for our family as I was growing up. Please help me to be patient and kind as his disease gets worse. Please let him know that you are with him. Those are real prayers for life's hard circumstances. And what I learned in praying those prayers is that gratitude can turn anger into love, fear into confidence and strength, Grief into joy and resentment into generosity. You know, I've, I've seen gratitude and feelings like gratitude right here in this church alongside of some resentments. 
During the COVID years, many churches suffered financially when members became angry about masks and, limit, and limited activities. We really fared much better than many. I can remember a few folks, just a few at St. Paul, who stopped giving until in-person worship began again without masks. But I also remember the conversations I had with folks over the phone who I called to check on occasionally. They told me stories about all the good things that had happened to them here at St. Paul and how they were gonna to continue to give so that this church could be a blessing in our community during the COVID years and into the future. I heard those stories during our stewardship seasons in 2020 and 2021, and again, sometimes during 2022, after we had made the decision to sell the sanctuary. Now we're in our stewardship season for 2023. This week and next week, we're exploring, as I said before, the theological reasons why we give but we're also going to take the time to remind ourselves of how much we have to be thankful for. And then we're going to ask everyone to allow gratitude to lead to generosity. That's one of those transformative things. This week, you'll receive in the mailing a letter, a commitment card, and I hope you'll really spend time looking at this enclosure it's called the 2023 Ministry Impact Report. It has a, a summary on it, front and back. There's been a lot going on here this year that will let you know how your giving enables us to be in ministry. And I want to highlight just two things among many that are on this report. One, so far this year, we have brought 34 new members. We have welcomed 34 new members into our church family, and we have baptized eight of them. Friends, it's been a long time since we had something like that to celebrate. And there's going to be more before the year's over. I hope you'll pray about your church and your giving and that you fill out that commitment card. And now I ask you, with my executive pastor hat on, the person who has to help prepare the budget, please return that card by October 29th if you're able. And if you intend to just keep on giving what you're giving because you give online or you have a bank draft, just write, we'll continue across the card and sign it. Because November and December are months when we try to prepare the budget and it's really tough to do without knowing your planned giving amounts. And with that, I will take off my executive pastor hat and put back on my preaching pastor hat and we will continue with some verses from the Bible. These verses come from a letter written by St. Paul to the Thessalonians, and he reminded them that thankfulness is a virtue for every situation. From 1 Thessalonians 5, this is what the Apostle Paul wrote. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. All circumstances. That's probably the hardest part of this message to accept. It's hard to be thankful in all circumstances. Gratitude doesn't make our hurt or sorrow or suffering go away. It simply expresses our sure knowledge that we are never 
alone. There is a God who sees and loves and cares and cries and suffers with us. And that joy will indeed come in the morning, as the psalmist wrote. We and our suffering are redeemed and resurrected into something new and good. And our expressions of gratitude are simply an acknowledgement of that truth. To live this way requires us to make a choice. And this choice was made very clear to me in a story that is told by a Christian counselor by the name of Dr. H. Norman Wright. For that, I'm going to use a couple of props. And I'm not going to put them around my neck this service. I almost strangled myself at the last service. So you're going to have to use your imaginations. But this is a legend about three men, and they carried two sacks. One was carried in the front, and the other was carried in the back. And this is how the legend goes. The first man said, in my front sack, I carry all the bad things that everyone ever did to me, all the hurtful things and pain I've had in my life so that they're close at hand and I can take them out and relive them and be angry about them and wallow in my pain. And in the back, I place all my blessings, all that's good in my life, all that God has given me. But since they're back there, I hardly ever think of them. And then the second man says, well, I take my front sack and I fill it with all the good things I've done in my life so I can take them out and brag about them. And in my back sack, I put all the mistakes I've made, all the hurts I've felt, and it hangs around my neck and it's heavy, but at least back there, I don't have to see it. And then there's the third guy. And yeah, we're supposed to be like the third guy. The third guy says, in the front sack, I put every blessing, every good thing, every person and God have done for me. I'm reminded of these things, of how good life is. It's not heavy at all. It's like a sail that guides me into the future. And the back sack? Well, the back sack, you see, it's empty because I cut a hole in it. And in it, I put all the bad stuff, the hurt, the pain, the bad things I've done, the bad things other people have done to me, and they fall right out on the ground so the bag has no weight at all. And the reason I can do this is because I know that God will pick up those burdens. I know, in fact, that Jesus already has. And so I can take my sack in the back knowing that it is no burden at all. No burden at all. You know, there's a lot of truth in that old legend. Gratitude is a transforming choice that can help us live life joyfully and generously too. And being thankful in all circumstances, it can be hard. But it's not an idea that originated with the guy who wrote that story or with the Apostle Paul. It's an idea that originates with God and that we can see in the example of the life of Jesus Christ. 
And today, on this day that we celebrate the Eucharist, Jesus offers us an example of gratitude in the worst of circumstances. Some of you might know the story. Maybe some of you don't. But this sacrament was instituted by Christ on a night when he gathered together with his disciples when he knew within the next few days he would be going to the cross where he would suffer terribly. He had the Passover meal with them and he took time to teach them about the most important things. He took the time to teach them how to share a holy meal. Celebration of the Eucharist includes a section called the Great Thanksgiving. And you'll hear Dr. Don tell you the words of this great thanksgiving as we enter into our time of communion. During the time, we learn that Jesus took bread and he, we imagine him lifting it up and giving thanks before he broke it and told his disciples that this is my body and it's broken for you or given for you. He knew his body really was going to be broken, and yet he gave thanks. And he lifted a cup of wine, and he told them that that wine represented his blood. But before he told them that, he gave thanks to his father for that wine. He did that even knowing that his blood was really going to be spilled. He gave thanks not once, but twice despite the circumstance. His words have become part of a thankful, joyful celebration of the sacrament we call Holy Communion, Lord's Supper, and Eucharist. And so today, we should celebrate that sacrament that way. We should recognize that that bread and that cup are the outward signs of inward grace that we receive from God every time we celebrate the sacrament. And for that, we should be grateful. One of the things I'm very grateful about the way we celebrate Holy Communion, the Eucharist in the United Methodist Church, is that we celebrate with an open table. That means everybody is welcome. It's not our table to exclude people from. It's the Lord's table. And Jesus welcomes everyone to it. Saints and sinners alike. And friends, I tell you truly, the sinners always outnumber the saints. So as we enter into this time of celebration, I remind you that Christ invites all of us to his table, whether we feel worthy or not. Everyone who wants to be transformed by his very transforming love is welcome to come forward and now I invite you to a moment of silent prayer where you can offer up your burdens and your sins. God is always ready to take them.